The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. That way, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open them up to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're starting a brand new series today that we're going to be in for the rest of the summer. It's called the Summer Mixtape. And uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be mixing it up. Mixing it up a little bit. How many of you guys remember making mixtapes back in the day? Some of you a little bit older. I'm 41 years old. Back I grew up in the 80s. That's why I can 80s dance. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, we had to make a mixtape. Some, you, you, some of you young people, you got no idea what I'm talking about. You're looking at me like I'm crazy right now. But there was a day... In order for you to have, you know, the music you wanted, you couldn't just tune into Spotify and every song was available at your fingertips. You had to sit by a radio and listen and wait with, with your finger on the pause and the record button for that tune to hit. And you would record it and you'd put together a mixtape. And a good mixtape was a mix. It was a mix of a lot of different stuff, right? And that's kind of what this series is going to be about. It's going to be a mix each week. You don't know what you're going to get. Different speakers, different topics. We're going to be changing it up. So here's the thing. You just got to show up every week. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be. You're just going to show up every week, and you're going to get surprised by the mix. Now, I will tell you next week uh, is our Young Communicators Weekend here at New Song Church. Yes, that's the response I'm looking for. Excitement, right? First service, I told them, and it was just like crickets in the room. And I was like, okay, all right, well. But we're excited. We've got some three young people in our church that are serving in different areas, kids and, and youth and, and threshold, some of our different classes. And we're going to bring them in, and we've given each one of them, there's three of them, we've given them 10 minutes to talk about a truth that has set them free. It's Fourth of July weekend. So they're going to talk about a truth that they found in the Word of God that has set them free. And so I want you here next weekend because I believe God's going to speak to you. And I also believe uh, that these young people, we believe in them. And I want you here to encourage them, to cheer them on as they get up and share the Word. And be praying for them. Tuesday night, they have to present their Word to me in a panel of our uh, expert communicators here at New Song Church. And so I know that is an intimidating moment for them. So be praying for them, all right? 1 Kings chapter 17, let me pray for you and then we're going to jump into the Word. Lord, we love you so much and we're so grateful for this church, for what you're doing in this place. Lord, we, uh, we come to your Word this morning with humble hearts. We want to hear from you. We want you to speak to us today. And we, we take you at your word. Your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. We know that you reside in each one of us as a believer, but there's a tangible presence we can experience when we come together and stir up the gift of God inside of us. Lord, we've done that. So we thank you that you're here today, ready to speak, ready to reveal yourself, to make yourself known. And so we want to be known by you. We want to know you. We want to see you in a different way. I pray that every person in this room would leave today with a deposit from heaven. They would leave today. Day, better than they came into this room. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 I want to talk to you today about a subject that I, I'm really excited about this because this was something that when I was a young person in junior high, I really uh, got a, a great revelation of this message. And it, it has absolutely shaped my life and changed my life and helped me to be where I am today, 
experiencing what God has done. I've seen God do so many things because I was able to understand this. I want to talk to you about how to position yourself for the provision of God. What it takes to put yourself in a position with God where you can receive what God wants to do for your life, in your life, and through your life. And I'm calling this message this morning, It's Not How I Thought. Touch somebody beside you and say, It's Not How I Thought. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but in life, things don't always work out the way you have them planned. You ever notice that? Anybody but me relate to that? Sometimes we have our plan, you know, our our 10-year plan, our 5-year plan, our 6-month plan, our next week plan. And it doesn't go according to our plan, does it? And let me tell you this, I've been a Christian for most of my life. And I've discovered that with God, even more so, it doesn't always work out the way I thought it was going to work out. It's not how I thought it was going to go. This is not how I thought God was going to use me. This is not where I thought necessarily God was going to take me. This is not how long I thought I was going to be in this season. Anybody relate to that? This is not how quickly I thought that was going to come upon me. i got a teenager now. That's crazy. That happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to happen. This is not how I thought. But here's, here's some good news for you today. Just because it's not how you thought does not mean God is not in the middle of it. If you're taking notes, jot this down. God is faithful to His Word, but He is not faithful to your plan. God's faithful to His Word, but He ain't faithful to your plan. You know why? Because very often your, fa- your plan falls short of God's highest and best. When God doesn't do things according to your plan, it doesn't mean He's not doing it according to a plan. It just may not be your plan because your plan is on a low level. See, your plan is is limited by your perspective. And you know what your perspective lacks? Perspective. (laughs) You don't see it all. You don't understand it all. But God has a higher perspective. In fact, look at this with me. This is Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. God talking here. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher, somebody say higher. Higher. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher. Say it again, higher. Higher. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher. Say it again. Higher. Higher than your thoughts. Listen, God has a higher perspective. He has a greater sense of scope than you do. And so, so often in our life, it's not how we thought because we don't see things the way God sees things. We don't see how, how our life affects everyone else around us. We don't see how the decisions we're making affect the next days of our life. We, we don't have that scope. You know, next week, uh, we have the 4th of July weekend. And near 4th of July, um, there's parades that take place. These 4th of July parades that take place. And, you know, there's one in Edmond, there's one in Guthrie, there's these different parades. When you go to a parade, you experience a parade from a certain perspective. How you experience a parade is determined by the seat that you have. You see from the seat. Your scope is based on your seat. What you see in the parade is based on your perspective. So what you see from your position is the people around you. And Fourth of July parades are fun because there's a lot of people that come out for Fourth of July parades in Oklahoma. <laughs> You get some like, you know, that, that like where you take the A off of America and it's just America. You get those people. And they're draped, they're draped themselves in flags and do-rags and it's awesome, right? You need some people watching at the 4th of July parade. It's pretty amazing. You see those people. And then you see the parade as it passes by your, your position, right? 
So your, your scope of the parade is limited by the position you find yourself viewing it from. Now imagine this, though. The Bible talks about how God can see the, the end from the beginning. God, it tells us God has this different way of seeing things. So imagine this. Imagine if you could, if you could see the parade from a higher perspective. Like if someone was to come along and you were to get in a helicopter and you were to raise yourself up high above the parade and you were looking down on the parade, now you see the parade from a completely different perspective. Now from the high position, you can see the end of the parade and the beginning of the parade all at the same time. From the high position, uh, you can see where the parade started, where it currently is, and where it's going, the direction it's going. You can see the, the beginning, the, the current state, and the future of the parade, all from that position. You can see how not just the group of people you're surrounded by, but you can see how the parade is affecting everybody from the higher perspective. You can see where everybody is related to the parade. From the higher perspective, you get a different perspective, right? Right. So God, understand this, God has the higher perspective, but God's scope is not limited to just the higher perspective. God is not some distant God looking down on earth from the high position. He sees all that, but he's also on the ground level with you too. But beyond just being on the ground level, he also has the internal perspective. See, even on the ground level, you can't look at the people around you and necessarily know what's going on in their heart and their mind. You can't see their past. You can't see the hurt that they've experienced. You can't see all that. God can see into all of those realms all at the same time. Here's the point. God's thoughts and ways are higher than yours. He sees from a different perspective. And so here's the key for your life. You're always going to be limited. So it may not be how you thought it was going to be, but listen, that doesn't matter. What really matters is, is it how God wants it to be? And, and if you want it to be the way God wants it to be, you have to learn to live that kind of Proverbs 3, 5 way where you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Notice that verse, it says lean not. It means don't put the weight of your life on just what you understand and you know from your own understanding because that's going to hurt you. You're going to fall if you lean into that stuff. So God's calling us to a higher standard. He's calling us to a greater way of live. Somebody say, it's not how I thought. It's not how I thought. So I told you 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at the story of Elijah. I want to walk you through this beginning story of, of, of Elijah, who was a prophet. And I want to show you how this guy lived a life, and uh, it was not how he thought. You know, a lot of times when you read stories about people in the Bible, and you start to really think through it, I bet you a lot of these people in Bible times, we look back on it now with, with an understanding because we, we know what happens. But I bet you when they were living in the middle of this, there was a lot of these moments where they were going, this is not how I thought this was going to go. And Elijah is one of those stories. Now, Elijah shows up on the scene, and he's a prophet. Okay, so understand, this is pre-Jesus. This is pre-the cross. This is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in order for people to hear from God and relate to God, they had to do it through a man of God. There had to be someone that represented a prophet or a prophetess that would represent God to the people. And they would speak on behalf of the Word of God. People didn't have the Bible. They had people that would speak on behalf of God words to give them wisdom and direction for their life. And Elijah is one of these prophets. He shows up on the scene to speak to God's people. And many times in the Old Testament, when a prophet would show up, it was to bring correction <laughs> because there was stuff going on with God's people that was not good, that was not how it was supposed to be. So this is how we, we enter 1 Kings chapter 17. Look at this, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. Ahab is the king of Israel at this time. 
As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall, be not, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And when he says his word, he's talking about the word of the Lord. He represents the word of the Lord. And so God is bringing a judgment against King Ahab and the people of Israel. And here's why. King Ahab is the worst. Like he is just absolutely the worst. In fact, uh, 1 Kings chapter 16 says this about him. It says, Ahab did more evil than any king that ever came before him. So quite literally, he's the worst king Israel has ever had. And it's not just like he doesn't know how to be a good king. It's that he is an evil, wicked king who's actually pulling the people of God away from God. He's torn down temples that are dedicated to the worship of God. He's torn down altars that are dedicated to sacrifices for God. He's set up altars and temples for uh, Asherah and Baal. He participates in, in acts of worship that include child sacrifices and explicit like sexual sin. Like King Ahab is the worst. Turn to somebody beside you and say, he's the worst. And so God is bringing judgment against him and he's bringing judgment against the children of Israel because they're following him. They're participating in this stuff. So here's the sin that they're participating in. It's the sin of adultery. What they're doing is they're looking to a God that's not God to be their source. They're looking to a God that's not God to put their faith and their trust in to worship. That's what Baal and, and his girlfriend Asherah, Asherah represented. They were gods of productivity. They were gods of fertility. They represented God, uh, a God who would bless the crops and bless the work of the people. See, sometimes we read the Old Testament and we think like people just like to worship idols. But they didn't just worship idols because they like to worship stuff. They worshiped these idols because they were trying to get something from the idols. They were looking at these acts of sacrifice and worship as means to try to get something from an idol. So they worshiped the sun god because they wanted the sun to shine on their crops. They would worship the god of water so that rains would come. They would worship these things. And they were looking to these things as their source. This is idolatry. Here's a definition for you of idolatry. An idol is any unauthorized noun. Any unauthorized noun. It's a person, place, or thing that you give authority in your life and you look to to be your ultimate source. That's what these people were doing. They were looking to these things, these idols, these gods that they had created to be their source. Now, we, we hear this stuff and it's easy to kind of go, man, these people, these Old Testament people, they were so ancient in their thinking and silly. Those poor Old Testament ancient silly people. Well, let me just tell you that there's a lot of people today that are worshiping and bowing down to some idols and looking to some things in their life to be their source for their life. For some of you, maybe you're bowing down to the idol of your career, of your education. You've, you've put yourself in a position of worship. And you look to yourself to be your ultimate source. I can provide. I can do this through my means and my education, through my career. This is my ultimate source. That's what I put my faith and my trust in. For maybe, maybe for you, your image is your ultimate source. If I can portray a certain image to the world around me, then I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel satisfied. I'm going to feel fulfilled. It's an unauthorized idol. It's an unauthorized source. But listen, it's not always just unauthorized. Sometimes it's, it's things God has authorized, but we look to them in unauthorized ways. Yes. Your marriage can be this. Yes. Listen, I love my wife, Sarah. 
And she is a, a, a source of my life of many things, joy and happiness and fun, but she's not the ultimate source. And if I look to her and try to make her the ultimate source of authority and, 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 and be the one who supplies me with joy and happiness, I'm, I'm setting her up for a failure and I'm setting myself up for a failure. She can't fulfill that to me. She's going to fall short because she's a human being. I'm going to fall short. I'm a human being. If you, if you put all your faith and, and hope in, in, into being a parent and, you know, that, that through your parenthood, you're going to be able to, to, to find purpose, you're, you're going to be let down because you're going to let yourself down. You're going to let your kids down. You're going to make mistakes. We, we, any, any idol that we place in a position of ultimate authority in our life as a source in our life, an ultimate source. Listen, God's not saying you can't have avenues through which you, you receive resources. Your job is a resource. People can be resources, but the ultimate source has to be God and God alone. So this is where the people of Israel are. They have made these idols into gods. And so God says, okay, I'm going to bring judgment right where your idols are living. Okay, You're looking to these gods to be productivity, to be your source. All right, let's see how they do when I stop bringing the rain. And so he causes no rain, no dew, a drought to take place. Now, King Ahab, when this judgment comes down, is not happy about it. And obviously, he, he wants to seek out Elijah and bring judgment on him because of this. And so God calls Elijah to run. Look at this. 1 Kings 17, verse 3. God says, get away from here and turn eastward and hide. Somebody say hide. Hide. Hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Now, this is the first kind of like, that's not how I thought it was kind of going to go moment for Elijah. I bet you he's going, man, I just gave my first prophecy recorded in the Bible. This is really a, a powerful moment here. And, and now I've done, I've obeyed God. I've done what he, he's called me to do. And now I got to go hide? This is not how I thought it was going to go. But listen, just because it's not how he thought it was going to go does not mean God is not in the middle of it. God is actually taking him to a place where he can bring provision for him and provide and source him during this season. He's hiding him so he can hide him in his provision. Look at this, 1 Kings chapter 4, 17 verse 4. It says, And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and ravens will feed you there. So, starts off fairly normal. You know, you're going to go there. There's going to be some water you can drink from. That's, that's fairly normal. And then ravens are going to feed you. You're going to have some birds that are going to be your catering service twice a day. They're going to bring you some food and take care of you that way. This is not normal, church. This is supernatural what God is saying to do here. Now, look at this, verse 5. This is huge. I want you to see this. So he went and did. Somebody say, went and did. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. Somebody circle that, highlight that, put stars around that. This is one of the major, major keys to you walking in the provision of God is you have to be willing to do what God says to do. He doesn't just hear the word of the Lord and say, amen, that's good, I like that idea. He moves based on the word. He receives a word from the Lord and in faith, trusting God at his source, he moves based on that word. It may not make sense to him. It may not be how he thought it was going to go, but he's going to move based on the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook of Cherith. He's obeying God, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat. I call that a sandwich. 
They brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So these birds are bringing him groceries twice a day, providing for him. This ain't normal. A brook providing for you, that's, that's fairly normal. But birds bringing you food, that, that is not normal. But what positioned him to receive the supernatural was his willingness to obey God, to take God at his word and move, even when it didn't make a whole lot of sense to him. And because of that, listen, there is a famine in the land. People are dying. People are suffering. But he ain't. He's provided for. He's living in the middle of the famine, but the famine ain't touching him. Why? Because his source is not everybody else's source. His source is God. He's trusting in God, looking to God. And so because he's trusting in God, God can be his source and God can source to him like only God can. Now, sometimes I think there's seasons where we find ourselves and, and we find ourselves in a place where we feel like maybe we're in hiding. But maybe God's not hiding you. He, maybe He's just positioning you for His provision. He's hiding you for something He wants to do in you to prepare you for the call He has for your life. And don't miss this. Notice God uses ravens to feed Him. You know, ravens, according to Deuteronomy 14, were, were unclean birds. These were birds that the Hebrew people were not supposed to eat. Why did God use ravens? Like sometimes we read this stuff and you kind of go, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't really get it. Listen, God does not do things willy-nilly. Like he didn't just go, oh, you're a raven, whatever. No, no, God knew exactly what he's doing. So when God uses a raven, it's for a reason. He could have used anything. He could have used a clean bird. He could have brought food to, to Elijah with quails. He didn't do that. He could have caused it to rain down manna from heaven. He does that. Why didn't he do that? I believe it's because God wanted to show us something. Here's a truth that you need to understand about how God can bring provision to you. God can resource the righteous through the unrighteous. Now listen, listen. I'm not saying that God is inviting you to sin in order to provide for you. Okay? God ain't doing that. God ain't going to tell you you don't have to pay your taxes this year. You're blessed. There you go. No, no, that's not God. God's not going to say, hey, go rob this bank and give the money to the church. That's not God. That's the devil. Okay? That's the devil. I'm not saying God will invite you to sin. What I'm saying is God will, will what the Bible calls, take up from the wealth of the wicked and lay it up for the just. Proverbs 13, 22, the wealth of the sinner is stirred up for the hands of the righteous. We see this all over the Bible. You see people in the Bible stepping into blessings that they did not work for. Stepping into wealth that they did not earn. Stepping into fortified cities and homes that they did not build. I think of stories like the story of Jehoshaphat where there's these armies coming against the armies of Israel. And they're outnumbered 100 to 1. And God, as they're marching towards this, this fight, and they begin to praise and worship God, God causes confusion to take place with these enemy armies. And they begin to fight amongst themselves until every person is killed. Every person dies. And Israel shows up on the battlefield before, they've never, they didn't even fight, they didn't even have to draw their swords. They show up on the battlefield and all their enemies are dead and all that's left is plunder. And it says they walked away with handfuls of blessing. That's the God we serve. That's the kind of stuff He wants to do. God wants to lay up for you some blessings. And listen, here's the point. Don't box God into your idea. I, I know I've seen this in our life. I've seen sometimes God will do stuff. He's blessed us in ways and we were like, man, that is not how I thought it would come. But here's the point. It doesn't matter how it comes to me as long as it comes. Yes. 
I don't care how God brings the provision as long as He brings the provision and it's coming from Him. My point is this. We look to God as our source. And He can use whatever means necessary to bless me and to provide for me. I, I love this too. Jewish history tells us that during this time, King Ahab, you know, he's the guy. He wants to kill Elijah, right? During this time, he would set out a table every day. There's a, there's a drought, there's a famine. So he would set out this table and he would take some of his best food, his meats and fruits and vegetables and grains and lay these things out on this table as a sacrifice to the gods to try to appease them. And it would say every day that, 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 that these ravens would come down and they would take up the food and they would fly off with the food twice a day. Where you think they took the food? Isn't that, just, isn't that awesome? How cool is God? He's providing Ahab, King Ahab, who hates and wants to kill Elijah, is actually feeding him from his own table. That's the kind of God that we serve. I, I was funny. I was telling my daughter this story last night. Bo, if you don't know Bo, you need to know Bo. Like the Bo knows. Like we, it's, it's, it's true. Like you, some of you know what I'm talking about. Bo knows. She's a legend. Anyway, we're driving home, and I was telling her this story about the ravens and how they were feeding you know, they were feeding Elijah twice a day, and she got this frown on her face, and she said, did they not eat lunch in Bible times? <laughs> Apparently, the ravens providing food wasn't enough. Twice a day? Why not three? What's up with that? Anyway. <laughs> Here, here's my point. Here's my point. What positioned Elijah to receive this blessing? Here's what it was obedience and faith he took God at his word and he moved based on the word and because he moved based on the word he found himself in a position where God in the middle of a famine could do something supernatural and provide for him like only God could if you want to live that Philippians 419 life that my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory life. You want to live there? Here's what you got to do. You got to trust God and obey Him and take Him in His word. Do what He says to do. And then you position yourself so that He can't. See, here, here's the thing about life, all right? You are always subject to your source. If you're taking notes, jot that down. You're always subject to your source. And every source in your life, except for one, is subject to circumstances. There's only one source in your life that when you put, when you become subject to this source, and that's God, God is not subject to the circumstances. There may be a famine in the land, but that famine doesn't have to touch you if you are subject to the Savior. Can I get an amen? So we've got Elijah in this situation. God's providing for him because he's obeyed. He's following after God. And then God moves him into a new season. Look at verse 7. 1 Kings 17, verse 7. Sometime later. So notice, God's been providing for him for a while. He's been in this season. Sometime later, something happens. The brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, we've been, we've been going through this verse by verse. There's nowhere in here that it says that Elijah, he began to do stuff that God wasn't really pleased with. And, and so now, verse 7, and, and so the brook dried up. It doesn't say that anywhere. So, so the idea that you, we, we, we understand is that he's still in the will of God. And yet the brook dried up. Here's what I want you to see. Sometimes, listen, don't let people tell you that, that you might be out. Just because things are drying up, you're out of the will of God. Sometimes you're right in the middle of the will of God and something can dry up. But that doesn't mean that God is done. 
with you. It just may mean he's done with that resource and he's moving you to another resource and to another season. And that's what's happening with Elijah. He's moving from this season of God just providing for him to now him being a person who stirs up the faith of someone else so God can provide for them. Look at what happens here. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. So he's receiving the word of the Lord. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Okay, so this is another moment that is a not how I thought it would go kind of moment, I'm sure, for Elijah. The brook's dried up. He's still in the will of God. The brook dries up. And so now God is calling him to make another move, a move of faith. To go to Zarephath. Now, just so you know, Zarephath was like the Baal Belt. Okay, so let me explain what I mean by that. We live in what's called the Bible Belt of America, Oklahoma, Texas. There's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians that come out of this area. It's called the Bible Belt. This was the Baal Belt, Zarephath. <laughs> this was like the worst of the worst city. There was so much sinful activity going on in this city. It was the, it was the worst. And God's calling him there so that he can be provided for by a widow. A widow. Now, it's not, you're going to see in a moment, this is not like a rich old lady who her husband died and she's living off, you know, his, his, his estate that he's left behind for her. You're going to discover this is a lady that is down and out and almost at the point of death. And God is using these means to provide for Elijah. Somebody say, it's not how I thought. So look at this, verse 10. So he arose and went. Somebody say, he arose and he went. What did he do? He heard the word, put his faith in the word. He didn't just say amen. He didn't just say, oh, that's good. I like that idea, God. He moved based on it. He arose and went. He got up and did something. He wasn't just a hearer of the word. He was a doer of the word. God's my source. He says to go, so I'm going to go. It's a widow and it's Zarephath. This doesn't make sense. This is not how I thought it was going to go. But I'm trusting God. He's my source, so I'm going to follow after him. He went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and I may drink. And as she went, Going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Look at this, verse 12. This is a huge, huge statement. As the Lord your God lives, she says. As the Lord your God lives. Here's what I want you to see. This lady's living in a, in a down and out place. She's in a rough place. She's in a bad city. She may not find herself in a great situation right now, but she knows something. What does she know? Your God is God. And I may not understand how all this works, but I know your God is God. She recognizes that. Why did the brook dry up? Because God wants to provide for this lady. God wants to use Elijah and move him from a season of just being provided for to be the provision of someone else, to invite someone else to step into faith so that God can provide for them the way he's provided for Elijah. Okay, look at this. She recognizes your God is God. But she says, I don't, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And, and see, I'm gathering up a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is not a good place. She's in a rough situation here. 
This is the person. Imagine Elijah in this moment. This is not how I thought it was going to go. You brought me here. She's my provision. My provision is making a couple of biscuits and then she's going to die. That's what she just told him. This is not how I thought it was going to go. And you would think that maybe Elijah would be like, okay, well, sorry about that. You know, good luck. That's not what he does. Look at verse 13. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now listen, sometimes we read the Bible. (laughs) And we don't really put ourselves in the context of of the verse. Like imagine this, okay, let me, let, me put the, let me put you in this situation. Imagine that you go to a foreign country where people are dying of starvation. And you're not quite there yet. You're doing okay. You may be a little hungry, but some ravens have been bringing you food. So you're all right. But you come across this widow, this lady, that God tells you, tells you she's going to provide for you. So you see her, you go up to her, hey, can you, can you make me some food? And she's like, no, I'm, I really, I'm not in a good spot. Like I'm, I'm not the one. Like, I, I'm actually gathering these sticks. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to make a couple of Pop-Tarts for me and my son. And, and then we're going we're gonna to curl up in a ball and die. And, and Elijah's like, all right, well, um, why don't you make me a cake first? <laughs> like, it seems kind of savage, doesn't it? It's like, dang, Elijah, it's kind of cold. But, but understand this. Elijah knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's inviting her to. You know, I, I have the incredible opportunity to invite you to acts of obedience and faith in God. And I don't, I don't do it with any shame. I do it with boldness because when God invites me to invite you to walk by faith, I'm inviting you to something great. So listen, get this. He's inviting her to give from her place of need. He's inviting her to give of what she actually needs. She needs food and God's saying, give food. That's faith, my friends. Now look at this. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel. So here's the word of the Lord. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the earth. So this is her word. So listen, here's this widow who understands there's a God. And I don't know him very well, but, but I know there's a God. And I believe God sees this widow And he invites Elijah to move so that he can step in and invite her to move based on the Lord. Elijah is the word of God to this lady. He represents God's word. He represents like when we open up the Bible and we find a promise and we say, okay, I'm going to move based on that promise. That's what Elijah represents to this lady. He's inviting her to take a step of faith. And here's the step of faith. Put God first. Before you take care of yourself and your son, Put God first and see what God does. That's what God's inviting her to. Will you trust God? Will you see God as your source? And Elijah does it with boldness. Why? Because he's been living it. He knows that this will work. And so he says, hey, give it a shot. Before you do this for you, do this for me. Because when you do this for me, you're doing it for God. You're putting God first. You know, a lot of us want to see a miracle from God. We'd love to see God move in our life. We'd love to see God move in our health. We'd love to see God move in our finances. We'd love to see miracles. But, but here's the problem. Why some people don't ever see a miracle is because we never put anything into the hands of God. We never walk by faith. The Bible's so clear. We have to walk by faith. Faith moves mountains, even a little faith. God invites us to be people who walk 
by faith. And so Elijah is representing, hey, here's the word. Will you move based on the word? Now check it out, verse 15. So she went away and did. She went away and did. Somebody say, she did it. She did according to the word of Elijah, which is the word of the Lord. She moved based on the word. She says, okay, I'm going to put my faith in the word of God. I'm going to put my faith in my trust. God's going to be my source. I need this food right now desperately, but I'm going to give it to the Lord and I'm going to trust him with it. And she did. And she and he, her son, and look at this, her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word which the Lord spoke to Elijah. So here's what happened. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Listen. God multiplied what she had when she was willing to give first of what she had. This is the law of sowing and reaping that we see in Scripture that is established from the very beginning that what you reap, Galatians 6, 7, you will, what you sow, you will reap. Listen, we, we hear that verse and we think of it in the negative. You better watch it. You're going to reap what you sow. But listen, there's a positive side to that. And we get it. Here, here's the positive side of sowing and reaping. When you sow something, it's multiplied back to you in a greater way. If I go plant an apple seed, I'm going to grow an apple tree. On an apple tree, I don't just get back the seed. I get a whole bunch of apples. If I go plant a piece of corn in the ground, a kernel of corn in the ground, I don't just get back a kernel of corn. I get a bunch of corn. It's multiplied back to me when I'm willing to sow. But in order for me to receive of it, I have to sow it. I have to give. And what I plant is what I reap. If I was to go out to a field, and there's a farmer standing at a field looking at this field. And it's been plowed and it's been planted and I walk up to him, and I'm like, what you doing? He's like, well, I'm just waiting on my crop to come up. Oh, yeah? What, what are you growing here? Corn. Oh, man. What, when did you plant your corn? I didn't plant corn. You didn't plant corn? Nope. What did you plant? I planted wheat. If I'm standing by that farmer, I'm going to go, all right, dude. Good luck with that. Why? Because it's, we all know. We all get it. If I plant wheat, I don't get corn. What I plant, I get back in a greater capacity. So, so listen, what we see in this, in this verse is this woman is willing to give where she has a need because it's from that, that place of planting what she needs that God can sow back into her what she needs. The Bible says it like this. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6.38. Give and it, it, what? What you gave, what you planted. It will be given unto you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, a greater measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good for others, it will be measured to you in return. One of the keys to the provision of God this woman displays for us, this widow displays, is she's willing to give of the very place she has a need. That is walking by faith. Here's my question for you today. Are you willing to walk like a widow? Are you willing to walk like a widow? Are you willing, if God comes to you and says, hey, will you do this? Will you obey? Would you be willing to give and to sow even from the area where you have need? Are you willing to trust God at that, at le at that level? That's, that's faith. And it's that faith that enacts the provision of God to be on display in your life the way you want it. 
There may be a famine in the land, but listen, you're not subject to the famine in the land if you're subject to the Savior. If your life is subject to Jesus and you have made Him numero uno, and here's how you know if He's numero uno, if He's number one, is do you obey what He says to do? If He's really God, then when He says to jump, you say, how high? Who's Lord? Are you Lord? Or is He Lord? So, so what does this look like? Well, here's the question. Where do you need provision? Where's the famine? Maybe there's a famine in the land of confidence in your life. And so often what we think is, well, I lack confidence. I just need people. I need to surround myself with a bunch of people who can build me up and make me feel better about myself. I need people, I need to, I need people around you. you. You need to tell me how good I'm doing. You need to encourage me and so I'll feel better. We're just trying to get something instead of going, okay, I'm going to sow for my place of need. I lack confidence. I need encouragement. So I'm going to look for people to sow confidence into. I'm going to look for people around me that I can, I can encourage them. And in doing so, I'm going, to, I'm going to build them up and trust God to build me up the way I need to build up. Can I get an amen? amen. Maybe you're lacking peace. There's a famine in the land of peace in your life. Rather than just looking for all your circumstances to be perfect so that you can have peace, why don't you look for how can I sow peace into the life of somebody else? What can I do to build peace into my family, into my spouse, into my children? What can I do? What can I do to build peace into other people around me who may be struggling right now with peace? And as I give of that and I sow that into them, I'm going to trust that God, my provision, my source, you're not my source, God's my source. I'm going to trust Him to source me with the peace that I need, a peace that passes understanding. Maybe there's a famine in the land of your finances. And you, you, need, you need money. You're, you're tight. Well, what if God comes to you and says, hey, would you be willing to sow? Would you be willing to give to somebody else? Would you be, will, will you start tithing? Will you start giving? Will you obey me and do what I take me at my word? Say, I, I can't do that. You can't walk by faith? You can't take God at his word and trust him? Well, you don't understand. I don't have very much. Neither did the widow. But what she had, she was willing to give. Listen, it's not how much you have. It's whose hands you put it into. You remember when, when, when Jesus multiplies the fish and the bread? Remember that? You know why he multiplied the fish and the bread? This is huge. Get ready. Because that's what was given to him. That's what was placed in his hands. So he took what was placed in his hands and he multiplied it. What do you need? Maybe God is inviting you. Listen, maybe the, 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 the answer for you today is to take the area of need that you have and from that area of need place something into the hands of God. Sow it into the kingdom so that God can take it, bless it, Multiply. Listen, we don't give to get, but we also understand the rule, the, the law of sowing and reaping. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I've seen this. I, it was early on, I was, I was just a junior high student when God first invited me to give sacrificially. And it meant sacrifice. It meant I had to lay something down. But I knew God was speaking to me and I took him at his word. I saw it in scripture and I took God at his word and I gave. And I'm telling you immediately, immediately, God multiplied back to me. It was like, it was unbelievable. And how God did it was just crazy. And I've seen that over and over and over again. I am where I am today because I got this and I was willing to trust God. God is my source. New Song Church is a resource for me as an as a employee of this church. It's a resource. But this is not my source. 
God is my source. My wife is a resource in my life, but she's not my source. God is my source. My children are a resource in my life, and I, I resource them, but, but God is my source. My faith, my trust, my hope, my everything is Him. He's number one. He is numero uno. And, and, and what I've seen with the Lord is He doesn't always do it how I thought it was going to go. Because He always supersedes what I think. He's the only one that can do that. He's the source I can trust in that will not only never be subject to what's going on in the world, but He's also the source that always supersedes my expectation. So my question to you is, will you walk like a widow? Would you be willing to walk like a widow? Would you be willing to trust God, take Him at His word, and move based on what He says? If you'll do it, and I'm telling you, you'll position yourself for the supernatural provision of God in your life. I believe this church, God's called us to do some great and mighty things in this city. But in order to do it, we're going to have to be people of faith. Because it's going to take some faith. Faith means we're going to have to take some steps sometimes that we may not always understand. Faith means that we're going to have to reach out to that person. And it may feel like, I don't know. But we, we take those steps because God said and we trust Him. Who's your source? Would you bow your heads? And close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.